The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination. Nerdapalooza, the world's largest nerd music festival, and with the generous support of listeners like you. For more Nerdy Show podcasts, community forums, and learn how you can support this and other fine Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Welcome to Atomic Robo Nuts and Bolts, the podcast where we go behind the scenes of the Eisner-nominated comic book, Atomic Robo, your source for action science with a robo. I'm Cap, your host, and with me, as always, is Brian, the guy who does the writing, and Scott, the guy who does the art. And in this episode, this is a very special episode, this is the first time that we're doing an Atomic Robo Nuts and Bolts panel, and we are recording it live. So we have a live studio audience um, of people who are kind enough to not go to the Hawkeye panel which is happening simultaneous to this panel. These, uh, these are, if I may interrupt, the three most interested-looking people I have seen in a panel. <laughs> they're just they're down for Tom Grobo. Let's see if, by some chance, these mics will pick up you guys cheering and applauding. <laughs> That's cool. I think they probably got that. What you should do in post is make that sound like it's slightly more than three people. <laughs> <laughs> So, in this episode, we're going to talk about Atomic Robo Free Comic Book Day 2009, the landmark Free Comic Book Day Atomic Robo issue, Why Atomic Robo Hates Dr. Dinosaur. And we're also going to get you guys to ask us some questions. Do different voices. Do different voices? They, they, these three people should do different voices. So it sounds like it's more than... Right, right. right. So there's more than three people in the room. Right. Each of you should do a different voice. Because it's, it's, we'll cover it in post. They'll never know. Yeah, they have, they'll have no idea. That'll be great. I'll cut this part out, and we, they'll never know. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> All right. So in this issue, the reason it's important is that it's the introduction of a character which has delighted many and annoyed the creators forevermore, Dr. Dinosaur. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the character and the blowback before we get into this page by page. Okay, well, Dr. Dinosaur's true origins is that he is an old character that I made in the uh, terrible RPG system known as Rifts. Were you like 14? Yeah. He, he's based primarily on, uh, there's this one image in... Transdimensional Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's a supplement for one of the Palladium books. They called it the Soranid. It's basically a raptor, and he's wearing like a tech vest, and he's just—it's just this random picture. And I was like, "That is the perfect." He's wearing clothes, so you know he means business. Yeah, it's an incredible uh, Jim Lawson sketch yeah. back in his heyday. Mm. Yeah, every, all the art in, in those books is amazing. Yeah, they really are good. They are. Yeah, yeah. nice and chunky, nice, nice and weighty. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so they, he became this mutant dinosaur, time traveling guy that I made in a Rifts adventure where the super-dimensional fortress one from Robotech came to Rift's Earth, and our characters <laughs> were going to go on. going to explore it, but it had been jumping through Rift's Earth, or there were all the different dimensions for who knows how long. So it had, like, all kinds of little pocket dimensions within it that made sense within the Palladium Megaverse. This is the nerdiest explanation. I love it. <laughs> Good thing we're at a nerd convention, yeah. huh? But also other stuff, like there was definitely a whole portion of the ship that was taken over by the Xenomorphs from Alien. And we just did not go there. So that, that's where just the personality came from, because he was plotting to uh, just screw over the other characters the whole time and pilot. He was the only character who could conceivably do anything with the STF-1, because he had all these, uh, in the Transdimensional Team NT supplement, there was all these time-traveling and, uh, and dimension-hopping skills that he had, because that's, what he, that's the book that he came out of. So anyway, 
So that's where Dr. Shore is wrong. <laughs> and then you put this book out, and he got ridiculously popular, and yeah. you've been burdened by him ever since. And now, the new Atomic Robo volume is called The Savage Sword of Dr. Dinosaur, and I guess I, I can infer that it's actually going to maybe develop him a little bit more and patch up some of those weird holes. And uh, no. I wouldn't say it develops him at all. <laughs> he, he, no. No. Or no would that kill him? Would development kill him? I think it probably would. Kind of, you don't want to over-explain. Do we, has everyone watched Doctor Who? Remember, remember, remember when three River people? Song, yes. Okay, that guy did. So, like, River Song was a great character, and then they over-explained the hell out of her, and now she's a really lame character. Dr. Dinosaur is a mystery. He's an enigma wrapped in a paper bag mystery. Okay. <laughs> so, here we are. Uh, French Polynesia, 1999. All the, uh, the robo-books take place whenever is convenient for uh, Brian and Scott. This book came out in uh, 2009, so why 1999? Uh, because... That when, go ahead. Is that when what? Is that when the STF-1 came? Is it? Oh, I think so. Maybe. <laughs> that sounds right. But no, well, the reason it's 1999 is that uh, even when we... Why did we make it? it no, I, I know. <laughs> because it would, we, wanted it, we wanted to put it back far enough that it seemed plausible that Dr. Dinosaur would be a continued thorn in Robo's side so that we can revisit it, uh, Dr. Dinosaur for little short stories between this origin story and whatever the present would be. Uh, if we made him too old, then it would just not make sense, if that makes sense. Right. And sure. Too close to the actual time that we were doing it there'd be no wiggle room yeah. for more stories in between. Right. Well that's interesting to me because you know you guys or at least Brian anyway you've always been very cynical very dismissive of Dr. Dinosaur yeah I guess I'll give the kids another Dr. Dinosaur <sighs> you got a free comic book day Dr. Dinosaur whatever leave me alone about it <laughs> but here you're saying you were anticipating doing more you wanted to do more yeah I mean he's, he's a fun character the problem is that I don't even know if it's a problem but you know people really uh, latch on to him which is great I mean that's what we want for people to enjoy our stories and our characters. This is not what Dr. Dinosaur looks like anymore. I know. He looks having, your art has changed slightly. Yeah, can someone else do this? I'm having a hard time. <laughs> but there, there's just, you know, it's the Wolverine factor, it's the Deadpool factor. Over, It's very easy to overexpose. And we only want to do a Dr. Dinosaur story when we have a really interesting, funny idea that, that Scott and I really enjoy. Like Free Comic Book Day. Like 2014. Yeah. It's going to be insane. Yeah, let's not even talk about that. That Man. is so top secret. Oh, I, I <laughs> tweeted it before we even decided. Nobody, to, okay, nobody reads your Twitter. <laughs> the look of Dr. Dinosaur here is so... I mean, he looks like what's commonly referred to as a Velociraptor. I know that's incorrect. They're quite small. They're not that big. He's a Utah. A Utah Raptor. Yeah. <laughs> okay, there we go. He looks pretty much dead on Utah Raptor with a backpack and a gun. Now he looks kind of... Kind of goopy and crazy. What what can you tell us about that that big change for you? I mean, was it just was it your art in general that's I changed? I've never drawn a dinosaur before. <laughs> like most things in Robo, I read the script and then I break out in cold sweat, and I just had never done a dinosaur. And in comics, everything is happening quickly. So if time was not an issue, I would have spent a week, you know, learning how to draw this stuff and really it's, I think it's out. a very good dinosaur so, Scott I think, I think it's a very good dinosaur it's, it's, a, it's a good first effort this I, is much better than the dinosaurs I drew in first grade it's a, much better than the dinosaurs that I've seen you draw recently yeah it's, uh, there's not much of a difference yeah not a bad not a bad not bad for my first dinosaur I guess but, but what, what led you to change him he, he's very um, oh, um, there's, there's more of a cartoon element to him now it, I guess yes. reflects the character but. well I think everything in Robo has been going a bit more cartoony lately just because that's what's always really interested me more and I've just been getting more expressive with my, my line art. Dr. Dinosaur is always a pain with that because he has a very immobile face. So he's basically just a Muppet because uh, I don't think his jaw has a little bit, limited amount of lateral movement and he's basically a hand puppet for, for the most part. And I don't know, just trying to, trying to get him more in line. Like he's got very human arms here and his haunches are too small. 
So it's been a lot of subtle stuff like that and just kind of exaggerating the bits that should be big and should be small and making them more. It's really fun to draw him with little goofy dinosaur hands right. until suddenly the script's like, and he's holding a bazooka. And you're like, oh. <laughs> like how does this work? I don't <laughs> That's when he's just like a head in the panel and these hands kind of come up out of nowhere, like on the Muppet show. <laughs> this issue tends to take out a lot of your, what I presume to be your aggression, Brian, towards uh, any story involving time travel. No, not any story. I love time travel stories. I actually quite frequently dream in time travel sequences. Uh, how, do, how does that work? Like it, Wayne's it, World? It is complicated. No, I, I've on more than one occasion uh, dreamed of my own time travel involved death that I cause. <laughs> And, and it's really Go on. it's really annoying because you know you know like we've all had that dream where you fall and you wake up just before you hit or whatever. But because it's a time travel thing, I'm able to witness my own gruesome demise <laughs> without actually uh, having to feel it. So I don't get the chance to wake up. So I don't know what that says or. or it's not like this has just happened once or twice. It's quite common, but it's just the, the dynamic me, workings of your clockwork of, mind. I guess so. Mm-hmm. Of my not quite human, slightly. Bad brain. Um, well, time travel then. Time travel. I mean, g- technically, this is not quite right. It, I wanted. I've always wanted Robo to not believe in time travel because while there are loopholes in theories and, and, and mathematical things in equations that suggest that it's possible, you know, the power involved, the the contortions of physics to make it happen, or it's it's sort of also not possible. But I just wanted Robo to. Just adamantly be like, you know, time travel is just stupid and ridiculous, you know, to, to play into the fact that Dr. Dinosaur's own origin is just, how would he be a time traveler from 65 million years ago? What is, there was no technology. What did, you know. How, why does he speak English? And how does he speak English? You know, it's clearly you are just. How does he speak? Period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Clearly he must be this, just the result of a modern, uh, you know, genetic experiment and he's just kind of loopy in the brain for whatever reason and, or a liar or who knows what. So that, that's the main reason for, for all that for where Robo goes in this little spiel about how time travel ought to be impossible. Well, how about Dr. Dinosaur's dialogue such as, Bah! Behold the pulpy fruit of my vastly superior reptilian intelligence! Well, he's crazy. That's how you talk. Well, okay, well how do you get that crazy, man? Uh, I, he's not really that hard to write, is he? No. He, no. <laughs> <laughs> the, the problem with Dr. Very Dinosaur, natural for Brian. The problem with Dr. Dinosaur is that he's way too easy to write. Because <laughs> everything sounds correct. Because everything's... Yeah. yeah, no, he can't say anything too stupid because it's like, well, yeah, that makes perfect sense coming out of his head. <laughs> to get into the right headspace, I, I try to channel what I feel like would be a cat's sense of humor. <laughs> Where they're really aggressive and, and would lie for no reason and just think it's funny that you believe things. You have to understand that I live with one cat in particular. His name is Kurt. And every morning my alarm goes off. And if I don't wake up in time, you know, because I like to lie down for a little while. Cause I don't have a job to drive to. Rub it in, right? Yeah, I, I, I like to at any, every opportunity. Uh, he, will, he will try to find my cell phone and knock it down because we have hardwood floors. And he knows that, that will irritate me so much that I will have to be awake to go feed him. So I have learned to just, I, I reach out and I turn off the alarm with my phone and I tuck it under the pillow so that he can't reach it. But he still jumps up there and he will knock down, he will root around just really angry to find anything that's up there. And it's usually a, a little paperback book and he'll just knock that down. Like, yeah, that doesn't do it, cat. No. <laughs> but he's still, he's just so about it. And so let's talk to that this morning. Wow. I didn't expect that. That's also, great. <laughs> uh, crossed with, if you find a really intelligent parrot that knows a lot of uh, words and it has lived for a significant amount of time, they are serious assholes. <laughs> and since parrots are basically dinosaurs, there you go. 
You know, um, pretty soon we're going to be doing a microsode on the show where we're going to actually be talking with a parrot that plays video games. Okay. The, the parrot is going to be on the show. That's amazing. <laughs> I, I hope it calls you names. <laughs> it will. The, the crystals thing is a reoccurring issue, and I imagine that that's going to come up in the uh, Hollow Earth exploits of the Savage Sword of Dr. Oh, Dinosaur. So crystals. Yes. Uh, we basically ex- explain, sort of. No? We sure. Don't, we don't really. There's just a lot of... Everything that Dr. Dinosaur says about crystals is, is, is true. Spoiler alert. <laughs> sort For of. real? Really? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Dinosaur unloads a specific date, September 19th, 2008. Was that when you wrote this issue? No. Uh, the date that he refers to is uh, the first firing of the Large Hadron Collider. And oh. It was the first failure of the Large Hadron Collider. The implication here being that that was the thing that sent the weird energy backwards through time that caused the dinosaurs to become extinct and gave Dr. Dinosaur his amazing intellect, which he then calculated forwards through time to be that date so that he would build the time machine 65 million years ago to visit the present to annihilate mankind before that happens. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That was well deserving of that applause. (laughs) It's a good plan. It's a great plan, man. If only Robo knew that he was the moron here. This wasn't your first free comic book. This is your second, maybe, free comic book? No, yeah, this was our first. No, was it first? There was 2008 was first. Oh, was it Crazy the, Ivan was the yeah. first? Brian, you've always worked... Um, your earliest work was always in short bursts, so I assume that the free comic book day issues are probably one of the easiest things you write. Is that still true? Uh, I don't know. Yes? Let's go with <laughs> yes question mark. <laughs> uh, Scott, you, you tell me that you typically don't look at your old work. Uh, no. Uh, is this killing no. you? A little bit. <laughs> I don't need more quiet than I usually am. I'm just like, oh, oh. man, nobody look, nobody look at me. <laughs> nobody look at this art. Uh, no, it, it, the, the early issues of Robo, they're fine, I think. They're except I've, I've just, I've, I've gotten better, and so it's hard. It's hard to look at. <laughs> it's, it's fine, though. It's good. But usually you're a bit more self-deprecating, so I wanted to make sure it was all like people. I don't want They might start believing me, and then you know, he does suck. I don't like him at all. This guy can't write either. I, I know I can draw better than Brian, so it's good enough for him. <laughs> you know, in the, in the last two days on the internet, I've seen one review was, the writing is terrible, but the art makes it worth reading. <laughs> Wait, is that a review of Robo? Yeah. I forget which specific issue it was. And then the, the next day there was, uh, I hate the art, but I love the writing, so it's worth reading. So we both suck. <laughs> okay, I, I can live with that. It's quality that cancels each other out. Yeah, there you go. You stick it on the front of the book. Yeah. <laughs> Not worth looking at or reading. It's impossible, and it's probably like this with the scripts, too. You do it, and then you're like, oh, I should. you see the mistakes you made or the ways you wanted to? Because yeah. if anyone out there is an artist or a writer, like you know you never quite put on the page what you had in your head. So I, we both just always see constant room for improvement. The further back you look, the bigger the gap for improving. But you can look over the work and see how it has There's improved. There's progress. So it's okay. Yeah, yeah. It's all Deep good. Deep breaths. It's all good. It's only a couple more pages. <laughs> <laughs> I remember drawing this and thinking, I've never drawn jungles before, and wow, aren't leaves and things really difficult? <laughs> you went on to draw many jungles. Many, many jungles. You guys even that. revisited this whole conflict here in a, in a following issue. What, what volume was that? Uh, volume four. four, issue three. Because then we flipped it to why Dr. Dinosaur hates Atomic Robo, yeah, and we integrated this story directly into that one and worked out pretty good. 
That's been also the other weird thing on Robo, since I'd never done comics before. In fact, I'd never done anything. I just kind of drew stuff. Scott didn't even, he couldn't even talk. No. Brian, I was raised, well, I was with the, with the wolf pack then, yeah. when you found me, right? Yeah, you did. Eating you were, grass. You were doing good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but you were, you smelled terrible. <laughs> that hasn't really changed still much. <laughs> still working on that one. Right? Baby steps. Uh, but I was always just doing, you know, uh, sketchbook work, so I would draw what... I felt like drawing, and then when I was, whether an arm was missing or not, I was done with it, and then I'd move on to the next Making thing in the sketchbook. <laughs> <laughs> with missing arms! <laughs> yeah, that's a thing, right? It, it is a thing! Okay, that's cool. Edit this out. Um, so, yeah, so like the first several issues of Robo, including through this, was a whole series of learning how to draw things I'd never actually drawn before. Do like, look at panel three there, folks. That is the classic uh, oh, yeah, dinosaur with. Muppet arms coming up. <laughs> well, original That's Dr. Where Dr. Dinosaur, Dinosaur is shooting have Pacifica. really long and kind of human arms. But yeah. this is, yeah, this is basically what I'm talking about, where it's just the head and the hands coming up to do something to show his whole body. Like, he would have to be sitting on his tail for this to... His back would have to be arched in such a way, because he's a big chicken, basically. So, like, his things are just set up a little differently. I don't know. It's a good-looking panel. But yeah, this was the first, like, you know. Yeah, it looks good. I buy a telephone, draw a potted plant. I'm like, I don't know how to draw any of that. I just do naked ladies with one arm. With one arm. Robo is that. He's like, oh, it's a robot character. I'm like, wow, I've never drawn a robot before. Let's see how this goes. <laughs> At the uh, the comic shop that uh, that's the hub for all things Nerdy Show, a comic shop in Orlando, Florida, uh, Aaron has been selling Atomic Robo with this Dr. Dinosaur issue uh, since it came out. And I assume that that's the case. In many places. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, everyone is always... See, Dr. Dinosaur seems to be the gateway drug to either enjoying or hating Atomic Robo. Which is, which is funny, because the, the series itself is not like this. Not exactly, no. Well, this, does, this is, so if Dr. Dinosaur had a superpower, and we're not saying he has a superpower, but he, he has a chaos field that anything around... The, the laws of physics and reality don't really apply to anything within 10, 15 feet of him. The basic idea for me was that Dr. Dinosaur would fill narratively the, the role that Cecil Turtle does for yes. Bugs Bunny. <laughs> yes. Where Robo's a very Bugs Bunny kind of character. He has all this confidence. He's all, He always outwits everyone, or just, you know, there's a lot of, and there's a lot of slapstick. You know, it's very Warner Brothers. Very Tex Adrian. Very Tex Adrian. But then there's Cecil Turtle who just always wins. You know, he's only in like two, I think, uh, cartoons from back in the day, and he just obliterates Bugs. He, Bugs cannot do anything right around him. He, he fails utterly, and it's hilarious. And so that's Dr. Dinosaur. <laughs> it's a perfect example. So now he's a parrot and a turtle. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and Robo's a turtle now, too, when you draw him. You, you said uh, last oh, time we talked yeah, about no, his head is basically, it used to be a marshmallow shape. And then I've kind of figured out where the eyes and everything work. Is I found a turtle skull that basically looks right. So, yeah, his, his head's a turtle skull. Loggerhead turtle, I think, specifically? Bar, I think so, yeah. maybe. Welcome to Turtle Talk. Yeah. <laughs> I like turtles. With one arm. Today we're going to talk about the green sea turtle. <laughs> um, <laughs> now's probably a good time to have a, a brief question interlude. We'll see. We'll get some questions asked. We'll see how much time we have. And maybe we'll take on another Atomic Robo Free Comic Book Day issue it's starring Dr. Dinosaur. Are there are several. Um, I know we're kind of focusing on Dr. Dinosaur here. But oh, we don't have I to. Was kind of we don't have to. All bets are off. Oh, okay, fine. I was actually more curious what, what we're going to see more of Thomas Edison because I really liked him as an antagonist. And last time I picked up an issue of Atomic Robo, he had been revived as a ghost and was now haunting something. Yeah, he's haunting his old house. Turned into the Edison Museum. Museum. Yeah. Um, but that, that was back in 1999 also. 
So that he's what? had lots of time to do other things. We keep meaning to revisit Undead Edison. Yeah. Or Undeadison, if you will. If you're, if you're into the brevity thing. Right. Yeah, wow, because he kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, I think he was planned to be a major villain in the past, like in Volume 5, where it's living Thomas Edison. But then I just drew a sketch. First it was Undead Abraham Lincoln, and then, then we realized there was already the further adventures of yeah. a dead, Undead Abraham Lincoln or something like that. So I took the hat off. Which was unfortunate. Booyah! There was like all the smoking stuff coming out of the hat. It was like, and then it was just like, what about Undead Thomas Edison? Because I just wanted to draw a skeleton, dude. And then that's where that story came from. I think we're going to come back to him. I would, yeah, we, we definitely, point, we absolutely want to. We would like to team up all the ridiculous. The Sinister Six, but of Robo. Right. So like Tarantula, uh, Dr. Dinosaur, Undead Edison. Helsingard. Helsingard. Yeah, we haven't used Helsingard forever. Um, well, about the computer he ends up shutting down. Oh, Alan. Yeah. The only uh, one that seemed to actually damage Robo from the volumes I've seen. Yeah, he did uh, He did a, a lot of damage to Robo. Yeah. Mostly psychological damage in the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so eventually we will see more Undead. We, we have all these plans to revisit all these characters, and we still have so many things not involving them that we haven't gotten to yeah. yet. Part of the problem with having 100 years of continuity <laughs> to draw from is that it will take us about 100 years to do it, and that doesn't yeah. include the ongoing present adventures so it's gonna be great you're gonna write atomic robo until you're dead yeah just like uh uh l frank Baum, creator of uh wizard of oz and then your children are going to take over and kind of do a hackneyed job it's gonna be fantastic (laughs) man like like every newspaper comic strip (laughs) (laughs) do you think you'll ever do something like a bride of frankenstein character for robo Mm. Uh, interesting uh uh, no (laughs) (laughs) because he likes human ladies so you know or anything like maybe Edison was trying to make him a mate or a brother or anything like that. Oh, uh, you mean Tesla? Tesla, that, excuse me. Yeah, Tesla. Edison might do, Edison might do that, but like she would be full of dynamite and stuff. <laughs> like very bug bunny. Again, again, <laughs> well, maybe yeah. maybe Tesla was trying to make his own version of Robo. Um, what happened was is Nikola Tesla was trying to make a bride for himself. It was meant to be a pigeon. That's hence the kind right. of weird weird head. And Robo woke up and he's like, "Oh, my bride." Whoa! And, and he's like, "Hey, hey, Paps, I'm I'm a boy." And he's like, "Curse you, damn it! No, my pigeon bride, taken from me by cruel fate." Uh, we should. Do... Why does he sound like Gandalf? Yes, Gandalf. Just default old person uh, voice. I don't mind. We should do a Tesla story where his pigeons are like Gonzo's chickens. <laughs> do they dress up? Good, but you know, we gotta have one named Matilda. Yeah. So you mentioned how difficult it was to make Doctor Dinosaur expressive. Could you comment on making Robo expressive? Because you do a very good job with two eyeballs and a metal skull. <laughs> how, how do you how do you do that? Well, with both of them, it's body language, and with Doctor Dinosaur, it's extra tricky because he's a, basically a chicken, so his body language is a little alien to all of us. And trying to make it human, trying to anthropomorphize it, is always really weird. So on that first one, I was really unsatisfied with Doctor Dinosaur, and then I remembered. Morty Feldman from from Mel Frankenstein, yeah. And yeah, he had the, the eyes that did the the thing, and so I collected all this photo reference of Morty Feldman, and now that is basically Doctor Dinosaur. It makes so much sense. I'm looking at the panels. Yeah, yeah, and this is of course the Simpsons comic book guy, but. Uh... <laughs> This was 2010? 2010-ish? 2010? Or like, no, there's, no. There's... 2010 was uh, the Terror Birds, so this has to be 2011. 2011. Well, 
Maybe. Good segue. Well, actually, well, let's 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 dive well, into I this. Well, I answer his question. Exactly. Okay, we'll go for it. Then we'll... The other thing with Robo is, um, his, well, it also comes back to the eyes. His eyes have gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. Which originally, the first couple of doodles, they were huge, and I was just like, yeah. this looks ridiculous. And I made them small just because I thought it looked better. But then every time I tried to use the eyelids, it was there's such a cramped space in there. And then in one of the first. B-side stories that we had where Zach Finfrock did the art and his stuff is super cartoony and he made the eyes big and really played around with the eyelids so I kind of stole that from him and <laughs> made it my own you kind of treat the eyes like so the upper eyelids are more like actual eyebrows and the lower eyelids are more like cheek muscles and so if you tweak that and kind of there's like so there's like seven default robo faces that kind of they're kind of like set up in a way that they will trigger a, you know some kind of a, a, a like a sympathetic emotional response in you to interpret it roughly the way I'm into yeah in um, in a way it, it uh, because his face is so blank it's really easy to read emotion on it yeah because you can project yourself onto the onto it quite simply uh, Doctor Dinosaur on the other hand is just a nightmare <laughs> when, it, when it comes to that just make the mouth huge give him buggy eyes you're done yeah <laughs> put him in a hat as often as possible apparently that's pretty good. It yeah. does look nice. I love him in the hat. Stafford. <laughs> I love not only is this just an awful um, disguise in general, uh, he, he's just wearing a hat and a suit jacket and, like, no pants. <laughs> and there's no way he could pass for a human at all. Like, uh, no attempt whatsoever is made to actually, you know, be a real disguise. He's also, like, in disguise for, like, the 50s. <laughs> <laughs> well, because you said he's supposed to be every man, so I was thinking of the like, oh, this yeah. week in the big city, yeah. Joe goes for his first job. And, like, you know, like... Like, it's hard. Right out of high school. Yeah. <laughs> I bought my first house with my second paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> it was $200. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, here his anatomy has changed drastically. <laughs> and, and here being Free Comic Book Day, 2011. So two, years, two years later. Two years later. And this is a little too far, I decided. But he's kind of more... His arms are still too big. But the, the he's taken on more of the correct stance for what he is. But I decided to go super cartoony with him. And never quite went back to this. <laughs> this is a little too too extreme. But that's kind of like free comic book day. We figure, hey, you're not paying for it. We're just going to mess around and, and experiment. <laughs> if, if it sucks, you got no room to complain. Yeah, really. What, you want your free dollar Seven back? Your, your, no, your no money's return? <laughs> <laughs> so we often experiment in, in free comic book days. This is also where Brian finally told me to stop drawing Robo's eye sockets so damn deep. Um, because basically, like in... That panel up there, like it's almost just like a hole through his head, <laughs> which I never mean to, but it's, I'll start filling in a little rim around it to give it the, the perception of depth, and I'll screw up, and I'll try to erase it, and I'll make it smudge. So I'll like, well, I'll just make it darker, and I'll just make it darker. And the next thing I know, he's just got these little tiny eyes, and there's nothing I can do about it, and and they start back here. I always make a note like, well, I'll just fix it in Photoshop when I scan the pages, and then yeah. I never do because because <laughs> I forget. Just so everybody knows, these books, not only are they yes, free comic book day books, but they are, in fact, free online. They are collected in the back of um, the corresponding collection. Oh, remember the fight we had over that? Well, not really a fight. But they're talking about the uh, the gun store? You guys had a, a, right. a disagreement so, well, about the gun store? Uh, right. So in Boston, there's this great billboard that basically, uh, it, it's this billboard, but on the bottom of it in small print, um, if anyone is a gun uh, enthusiast, enthusiast, as I, I enjoy them, knows that gun shows is just like you're in the wild west. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's no regulation. There's no one watching you. And you can go on YouTube and see all these films of like federal firearms officers going in and buying all this illegal stuff. And the billboard on the bottom says criminals and terrorists welcome. Which is whoa, really? Yeah, it's a real was, billboard. It's a yeah. real billboard. It's, just, it's huge, and you're coming to Boston on I ninety, whatever it is, and it's just there, and you can't miss it. And it's it's yeah, it, it's pretty rad. <laughs> um, as much as I think you should be able to have guns, someone should be, you know, <laughs> there should be some limits there, and or or at least some like you know, making sure you're not a criminal or a terrorist, or you know, stuff like that. Also, making sure you're not going to shoot yourself in the face with it by accident. Yeah. Anyway, but so we had this big problem because half of our pub- our publishers are split between Alberta, Canada, which would probably be all about this. But then the other half is in Texas, and they're Houston. like uh, Houston and and Houston Dallas area. Like they really seem to like Robo, and they were just like, this has to go. <laughs> this, this cannot be in there. So yeah, they're very upset about that. So we we edited it a little bit, but, but. The, the spirit is still there. <laughs> that the gun show is silly, kind of ridiculous. <laughs> It's like this, how you're digging through the dollar bins downstairs, except with guns and bullets, basically. <laughs> I have never heard the end of this. This is my daughter, because she really wanted to be in the comic. And So the main character, little girl, in this book is uh, is your daughter? Yeah. Every day, she's like, are you doing a comic with me in it? Are you doing a comic with me in it? Well, she she's got to wait a while, right? It's mm-hmm. her second appearance. Like, this is the only... The, the weird, one of the weirdest things about this issue of Free Comic Book Day is that this is the only robo-issue that has a scene that takes place in a future that hasn't happened yet. Yes, which is really weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you do sort of see her in the future, but... And she doesn't quite get that. And robo is not a... I don't know. Why would you have kids in robo? Because he's a cute robot! But he's a responsible him. adult, and the responsible adults do not subject children <laughs> to the sort of things that robots... It's, it's sort of a reference to the... the we were talking with, I guess, oh, Fox yeah. uh, about making a movie back in 2009, and they were... They came, the producers came to us and were like, oh, we love this comic. It's not like anything else out there. It's very helpful, I guess. We, we love it. We want to make a movie out of it. And so, apparently every Looney Tunes comic and puppet yeah. episode. Shut yeah. up. <laughs> and we want to make this into a movie, and so we have to make it look like everything else to make it a movie. Right. Uh, so we had to yeah. include a so kid they were just they were adamant that we needed a kid sidekick for the kids to latch on to and be interested Preferably in. Preferably her parents would be dead. Preferably with dead parents. And it had to be a... Because yeah. kids love that. <laughs> And our argument was, well, the kids can like the robot because the robot is cool. No, but there also had to be a cute robot. Had to be I a had cute to design a cute sidekick. So in Ice Age, there's that squirrel. It had to be that but a robot. Amusing the first movie, and then by the third movie, you're just like, uh, die already. So the formula goes: you have to have something that will entertain the toddler who came along with the eight-year-old to see the movie, and yeah. So yeah, there was all this weird stuff and, and a kid involved, and we decided to kind of just pull her back into this sort of, and this kind of came out almost directly out of yeah. our pitch that we hated. Really? Yeah. Well, we both quit individually twice. Yeah. And just said, forget it. You know, there we, will be no movie. You guys, you guys didn't quit awful. as a team? Where's the solidarity? No, eventually we, we, we said, you know what? It's Hollywood. It's not continuity. Who cares? Maybe, like, you know, they'll just write us a big check and, and everyone will just keep reading the comic. Yeah. And, you know, we don't care about the movie, really. So we, just got, we got very business about it. So right. Like, eh, whatever. And then uh, they dropped us after we, <laughs> for no, and then they made that movie Rio. Do you remember vaguely? Yeah, Rio is what got made instead of the Robo. Movie. Robo, that got made instead of Robo. And amazing Wait, movie, right? Huge. So they, so you literally, you can trace it to, they opted, it was between the two of them, they opted, yes. opted for Rio. Yes. yes. Wow. Yeah. Weird. Good, good choice. Sure. <laughs> you know, 
Fox, what do you want? Yeah. <laughs> this was also just before the Wolverine movie came out, so in retrospect, thank God they said no. <laughs> so we took the idea of this kid character and in fact later on in the comic explain you know she's like oh I just want to be an action scientist ah. and everybody's like no you're a kid that's crazy and stupid you know <laughs> talk to me in, in you know 10 15 years whatever it is when you're an adult and you know, we'll, we'll see what's going on and he does and, yeah so uh, it does take place in 2011 um, that doesn't happen too often that it's concurrent with when it came out now, going into this you guys had already decided well we're going to do the pattern of we'll give everybody Dr. Dinosaur every other year Every year there'll be something with Dr. Dinosaur in it to make the kids happy. He's a fun character to, to play around with, but it has to be in, in limited doses. I think generally we were thinking every year would be a Dr. Dinosaur story, but then we just came up with other stuff. For this year, for example, you're, we're not giving you one issue of Dr. Dinosaur, we're giving you five. So, you know, we, we yeah. held back on, on him for... Yeah, so first of all, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so we held back on doing him for Free Combo Day this year. But he will be back next year. We've already figured out the story. We had a five-minute conversation. That's all it takes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's a very complex character. <laughs> very nuanced. We're starting when we get this car chase thing going on. Well, yeah, it's the not, not band, chase, yeah. but... It's all very business. Oh, yeah, there's going to be fatalities and so on. Oh, oh right. it's a fourth-grade science fair. Oh, my God, big reveal. They were complaining about children. Children are monsters. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they read your book. They, they give you money. I know. I don't have to like them, though. <laughs> so, I like children. Did you guys have uh, <laughs> have uh, science fair experiences similar to this one? No, Probably. but we figured in Robo's world where he is a celebrity scientist. And has been for 100 years. So remember in the 60s when, I mean, granted, all the money went into NASA and stuff because we were like technically kind of basically unofficially at war. Yeah, sure. Soviet Union, but like you know, it was awesome to be a science person, and yeah. you were like creating the future, and it was amazing. And we figured in Robo's world that would just kind of keep on rolling, especially if you had a walking, talking robot who was into science stuff, wandering around, inspiring other people to be action scientists and all that jazz, and so, all who kind of saving the world every couple of months, you know? Yeah. So makes sense. Yeah. So, so Scott, is this character like not just aesthetically your daughter, but like character-wise, your daughter? Um, well, my daughter is not a super genius and has yet to oh, build a flux capacitor. <laughs> you hear that? You're dumb. No, no, no. She's very Daddy smart. doesn't like you. She's, she, hey, she made Dean's List, High Honors, or whatever it is they okay. have in middle school. And That's something. Citizenship. Mm-hmm. You got a bumper sticker on your car saying no, how No, I am are? not one of those parents. I don't like Because <laughs> you know what? No one else cares. <laughs> like, this is, she's smart, but she's not perfect, and she's not a super genius who could build a flux capacitor. And she doesn't even read Atomic Robo. I mean, you know, it's clearly a flaw, deeply flawed child. Oh, so she just wants to be in the comic. Yeah. If she's, she's in it, fan. she will read it and she will take it to school every day and show everyone. Um, comic book wise, she is much more into things like Smile and uh, Ward Elsmere's and so comics made by women that are more about growing up and like slice of life stuff that might have Anya's ghost like might have a little bit of the fantastical in them but right. are much more grounded grounded and more character well not character well yeah we're explosion driven yeah. and more character driven <laughs> many great things have been propelled by explosions Saturn yeah. 5 rockets for example she's a, Star Trek, she's a classic Star Trek nerd she wants to marry Doctor Who so she's a good little nerd I mean she's fine I didn't have to like her though, I mm-hmm. right 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 gotcha I mean all kids should Right, but, but whatever. All, all right-thinking eleven-year-olds know which comic book. But I did, I did reference her for like expressions and stuff. And so yeah, she, you know, she just this little fancy that Robo's going to come to the science fair and see how amazing she is, and instantly make her a, a uh, an action scientist, which is pretty true to my daughter and myself too. And that you know you have you put these massively complex scenarios of how things are going to work out, and the minute it all falls apart, you're just destroyed, and it doesn't happen. And yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so she's explained to this dude what's going to go on. 
and, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Dr. Dinosaur. We're, yeah, this is the where part we're really expecting we him. Yeah. And, and with the appropriate reactions, too. Screaming, <laughs> papers flying. What, what would be abnormal about this dinosaur with a pipe and a hat? <laughs> he reminds me of, um, what is it? Um, uh, the Church of the Subhuman? You familiar Bob. with this? Yeah. No, Bob, Bob Dobbs. Or, yeah. No, I'm not familiar with it. Well, look it up. We'll link on okay, this episode's sure. page. So, <laughs> this is the second time Robo's encountered Dr. Dinosaur? The second time that we've shown it, but it's been implied that uh, they've had many little uh, encounters. But he's upset. This is not good for him. No, it's never good when Dr. Dinosaur shows up. No. no. Everything, everything is bad. Yeah, oh man, he's so ridiculous. I like that, um, you know, uh, on the show, we've made really terrible puns about Robo's name and everything. I, I love that Dr. Dinosaur, you know, just calls him Atomic Hobo. Oh, because that is the joke we get at every convention. <laughs> There's yeah. always one person I that... I thought you said Atomic Hobo! Oh, got you! ...who comes to our table and, and drops that. And then walks Boom. off because, you know, mic drop! Yeah. <laughs> like, all right. Atomic Froyo? <laughs> atomic Yolo. There is an Atomic Froyo machine at Tesla Dine. It's in the background in... Volume 3? Volume 3. Awesome. When the Shadow from Beyond Time uh, explodes into the, the cafeteria. I think, that, I think that's the fifth issue. Maybe. Anyway. It's Volume 3, though. Volume 3, yeah. Uh, Dr. Dinosaur exhibiting just how clever he is that he joined the Tesla Dine newsletter. But in, in, in Dr. Dinosaur speak, uh, he, he hacked their mainframe. <laughs> yeah, that, that's another kind of ongoing uh, joke. There, there's a short story in uh, Atomic Robo Real Science Adventures. It's, the, it's this four-page, four or six-page, something like that story, where uh, it takes place right after the original Free Comic Book Day, and Dr. Dinosaur is going to wreak revenge on Atomic Robo for you know, coming to his island and wrecking his stuff. And you, and you see Dr. Dinosaur just traveling the world and attacking all these labs and gathering all, the, all these uh, equipments and, and materials and computers. And all he does is, in the cave, he builds this little computer to send spam emails to Robo. That's his giant revenge. <laughs> <laughs> so he's, he's really petty and stupid. Like, like That was like the most complicated way to just, you know, slightly inconvenience somebody. <laughs> hey, have you considered making a t-shirt of some version of the frame with Dr. Dinosaur holding up two Uzis looking kind of like Kind of like maybe some kind of some kind of thug life, not on this planet, but <laughs> a variety of potential uh, thug life. It's another one of those Muppet moments where it's just like I think maybe the hands are where they should be, but I'm not really sure. <laughs> <laughs> I love panels like this. I don't have to think too hard about things. Like, There's a tail somewhere, right? As long as the tail is showing, and yeah, and he's got a stupid look on his face. It's good to go. <laughs> his head's very mushy in this issue. Yes, it is. It's well, like he's got like potato head going on, and I don't know what. It's not the same shape. In any two panels. <laughs> I had changed something about the way I was drawing, and I don't remember what now. The mush is a part of him now. I mean, like, uh, it, he's just, you know, he's plastic. Got those crazy. half ping pong ball Kermit eyes, and, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, this was definitely an experiment in, in abstracting him. It hacked your mainframe. <laughs> hey <-o. laughs> Yeah, I definitely pulled it back after this one a bit, but there is going to be a Dr. Nice t shirt. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, long overdue. Stay tuned. I, we know. Yeah. Stay have, tuned. Okay. We have a thing that's going to happen shortly, but we can't talk about that. So yeah, but there'll be a thing, and there'll be shirts. Ryan, you love asking Scott to put Simpsons characters as normal fleshy humans in I, your books, unless you didn't ask for that. No, one. I, I think this just happened. I don't remember. I think you know this was your idea. Yeah. I think yeah, I think it just happened by accident because I think the actual uh, Androids Dungeon dude is bald on top, right? It's just like a sort of yeah, I yeah, so. yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I don't know. Has anyone seen Bart Kira? Speaking of Simpsons characters, yeah. Bart Kira, yeah, 
it is very cool. Is there a central hub for Bart Kira? I just see Tumblr. Parts of it. A tum- I don't know. Bart Kira Tumblr. I, I think that's what it okay. is. Okay. But uh, the, the three nerds that help Homer through uh, college in a very early episode, they show up in 2013. Yeah, the last couple. Okay. Yeah. I think the thing that always bugs me about it, about Dr. Dinosaur, is like, as you were saying earlier, like, no matter what we come up with, it's perfect. Whereas all these other characters, like, like Alan, the computer from volume six, took so much research and yeah. so much work and was so meticulously crafted, like, word for word. And, yeah. and, and Dr. Dinosaur is just like, you know, just like, whatever. Like, like, you just match the keyboard and email it to me. And it's like, okay. <laughs> So panel one here, this is supposed to be Ira Plato, who does uh, Science Friday for... He used to do Newton's Apple back on Yeah, he's, on, he's on NPR, and in Boston anyway, where this is happening. Every Friday is Science Friday, and he does, a couple, he does like an hour-long show, really cool. And I tried really hard to get his permission to put him in our comic book, and I never heard back from him. He's too big time. He's too big time. They're on NPR. We're <laughs> hmm. Also... Uh, Guest starring Powell, Jeff Powell. Oh our, yeah, this guy's our letter. This guy's our letterist. He got very sad. So we put all these people in the comic because they want to be in the comic and they're friends of ours. So there's like a huge number of dorky-looking, glass-wearing, slightly overweight characters <laughs> in Atomic Robo because we keep putting ourselves and, and or just emaciatedly, you know, like what? couldn't put on five pounds if they tried kind of people. And that's because there are people we actually know in real life. And I think uh, too many people wearing glasses, they'll start to look the same. We're just going to have an apocalypse and kill them all off. Right, pretty much. Um, so Jeff, who works on the book, comes like didn't say anything directly to me, but implied to you that he was deeply hurt that he himself was not a character. Which anyway. he was. <laughs> he was a mutant freak in Volume 3, Issue 3. I guess it didn't count. I guess, yeah. but to him, it wasn't, didn't count. Wasn't, wasn't, wasn't enough. So we had to make him an actual human scientist because he's a very sensitive man. I don't even like putting us in the comic, but but we're idiots when we're in the comic. Yeah. So I mean, it kind of yeah. I've, all, I've I, we haven't ever covered that that issue of you guys drawing slash writing yourselves into the comic, kind of, except that you're not portraying yourselves. Yeah, we haven't done volume three yet. Yeah, yeah well, why was why was there a choice to to comicize you? We needed two idiots. Yeah, and that was it. That okay, was it. Yeah. it's fair. <laughs> it's a good portrayal. Yeah, accurate. Uh, see, okay, so finally, here's Doctor Dinosaur basically looking like Doctor Dinosaur should look, which is not at all how, like how Doctor Dinosaur looked in the first issue with Doctor Dinosaur, but that's okay. Except for these giant toes, I don't know what I was thinking on that, but whatever. You're thinking deadline. <laughs> I was thinking deadline. Yeah, <laughs> good enough for comics. I do like that expression. This one, yeah, yeah. this, yeah, this, that, that's a good one. <laughs> I am more of a fan of this next one. This, this, this oh. like the, the the Tom and Jerry, Sylvester and Tweety kind of. Yeah, it's where, he's, where he's crouched on the ground, kind of hissing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we ran him over with the science van. So, like, Dr. Nessler's eyes move a lot. Like, the, where they are in his head. And I've been trying to treat them like cat ears <laughs> sort of thing. Because he's got those little stalks that they're on. And you can kind of get away with a little bit of movement there. Seems legit. Yeah, why not? <laughs> I'm a little wall-eyed there, too. I've been drawing too much Dr. Dinosaur. No one, can, no one can bring both of their pupils to look at anything I anymore. imagine that that's kind of what your expression was like after having drawn this. Yeah. Oh, God. I remember this page. You're like, a Dr. Dinosaur drives the car. I'm like, how does a giant chicken with a huge tail drive a freaking car? I'm like, oh, uh-huh. you can't Very see carefully it. evade drawing it. <laughs> Muppet hands again. <laughs> that is usually my default with Dr. Dinosaur is like, I sit there and I'm like, what would Jim Henson do? <laughs> How would he pull this off? Behold, an ordinary motorist! (laughs) 
One of the all-time great Dr. Dinosaur lines. <laughs> See, again, like, his head and his hands are just there, and I don't know where the rest of him is, and I don't care. Like, it's, maybe he's standing in the back of the van. My like, assumption was that, yeah, I, I, I thought that, like, he would just kind of stand, basically. How do you do that? Uh-huh. <laughs> you, you, take, you delicately take the seat out. Yeah. Oh, man. Because <laughs> there's time for that. Yeah. But yeah, Jim Henson is a, is a huge go-to on Dr. Dinosaur and a lot of the weirder stuff. Actually, I wanted to be a Muppeteer when I was a kid. Didn't we all? Yeah. Maybe. I, I don't know. I that think was... that's universal for a certain group of people. Yeah, I did want to go to school and, and learn how to do that. And since obviously they make Sesame Street where I live, I could have totally tapped into that. But So like Tesla and Island is always like right out of the 60s. Like um, Jerry Anderson, like Thunderbirds and stuff like that. Like all those giant models they built for that. I have a huge reference file of all that. And I'm constantly trying to pull from it because it's always weird. Nope. Very much both of the past and future. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's before we figured out that the future was not going to be anywhere near as good as we thought it was going to yeah. be. <laughs> like, here, here at the tail end of the Industrial Revolution, where it's like, well, the future's basically going to be, like, widespread drought, horrible weather, and most of us are going to die. <laughs> <laughs> but 40 years ago, it was like, look we're going to live on the moon in 10 years. By 1983, we'll be at Mars. So, so what, remind me, what, uh, scroll up a little bit. What year is this? Died. 2021? I do. Yes, 2021. 2021. That is when Emma will be 21 years old. So, Brian, you've been—we've had questions in the past in the show, and you've been adamant about like we're not going to see a Robo story in the future, but we have this scene. We do have this. Why? Because we kind of had to. Because we had to <laughs> for the, for, to wrap up the story. Because she desperately wanted to be an action scientist, and it just wouldn't have been right if we didn't go back, like come back to that. And then we had to figure out. You can tell it's the future because Robo has a future collar on his shirt. <laughs> Because he's a space priest. Right. <laughs> and if anyone's a Robotech nerd, you may recognize us as young Rick Hunter's Turbo fan from issue. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Yet um, legally distinct from. <laughs> That's why it's a different color. Right. That's why it's blue. <laughs> so we skipped over the 2010 free comic book day, but we may come back to it someday. We do hope to cover every... Did we every... that on purpose, or did I just like hit a wrong button? No, no. it's just, just a thing that This happens. was, this so was themed this? around Dr. Dunn's words. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I see. Oh, yeah. This was good. <laughs> Are we going to see now? Dr. Dinosaur is looking like a... Do you want your questions? I'm sorry. Yeah, this is the, Scott's now looking at the, the free comic book day 12, um, where Dr. Dinosaur does look... Deci- Man, he's different in every single volume. It's right, great. but this it's was great. the first time Dr. Dinosaur looked the way I actually thought Dr. Dinosaur should look. Like, if you can compare this to, like, that first one where Robo's on the beach with Dr. Dinosaur, like, it's like night and day as far as... Yeah. Um, well, why are the so colors of normal here? Free comic book day 10, free comic book day 12, all in due time, as this, we would say for, say, the rest of the entire series. Oh, man, Everything we're not going to talk about Future Stories Rex. We, 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 we will someday <laughs> talk about Future Stories Rex in the future. Oh. <laughs> all right, question time. we got a little bit more time for questions, and a very little bit more time. So get in here, man. Curious, uh, from your perspective, uh, the character of Jenkins, I mean, he's so antithetical to, I mean, we spent a lot of time talking about Do- Dr. Dinosaur. He seems the sort of Frank Castle of the Atomic Robo universe. I'm curious your thoughts, where he came uh, from. In, in my mind, uh, Jenkins was just the stereotypical super soldier, but in Robo's world, and uh, with a more realistic approach to the military-industrial complex than you might see in, say, Marvel or DC. So he's just this invincible killing machine. His origin is that he was part of a Majestic 12 uh, exploratory unit into the vampire dimension, 
and he was the only one to survive that experience. And uh, presumably, he was dragged back into our reality by Robo. Presumably, at that point, Jenkins was like, well, I'm quitting. <laughs> yeah. That was too messed up. And I don't think that you can argue with Jenkins. Like, I, I, I don't know that no, you... No, I don't think you'd want... No. I don't think you win that conversation. Has it been mentioned that he worked for Majestic 12? I think I missed it's been, that. It's been it's implied. implied. It's more explicitly made clear in Volume 8. Because oh. where the way that it comes together, you would have to read volumes and sort of piece it together yourself, which we, we, we like to do. You know, we don't want to dispel out everything. Right. It, it's boring. I mean, well, it, it comes up quite naturally in volume eight. As far as the actual origins of Jenkins as a character, Norman from Mighty Max is what you told me several years yeah. ago. Yeah. He is absolutely that idea just distilled <laughs> into Atomic Robo. There's just it's always... Good. He's kind of fun. He's also kind of a, a little bit of a relic from when we were still figuring out, I think, the feel of Robo. Yeah. Like, Hells when we first started, we're like, oh, it'll be Helsingard all the time. Helsingard, Helsingard, Helsingard. I, I, we haven't seen Helsingard since yeah. volume one, yeah. Because um, we have all these <laughs> other ideas. Yeah. But the idea that Jenkins is, is just this unstoppable murder machine is, is kind of a lot of fun. He really comes into his own and is the focus of the B story in volume eight, back on Tesladyne Island. And it is a lot of fun to see him very He's, uncomfortably assuming the CEO role of Tesla Dime while Robo is away. Yeah, he's kind of a, a James Rhodes in that sense. <laughs> Except better than Robo at being an action guy. Yes. Which is also just kind of a, a fun little joke. Should I disguise my voice because I've been up here again? I mean, there's three We know there's only three people. Yeah. Okay. You're guy number um, two. I am guy number two. Will we see any other kind of famous type of inventors slash eccentric people like Howard Hughes for example because mm. yeah okay short answer, answer. <laughs> well we're gonna use, right? remember that bit where they had where you, you sent Robo to Mars and who was it that Sagan uh, it was, it was Stephen Hawking okay. yeah told, to, who told NASA that he had like a, a sleep switch and they didn't and, and he doesn't <laughs> so he built a giant sign on Mars that said Stephen Hawking is a dick yeah <laughs> essentially it was a little more PG than that but yeah uh, <laughs> yeah well, I mean we're talking about using Neil deGrasse Tyson in volume 11 yeah well, well, you gonna get approval for that? You gonna get old Neil to sign off on? We're that? gonna try to. Neil's a great dork, so but we've tried to go through his official site and gotten like just form letters back. So we're gonna try and figure out who his publicist is about his or Twitter. his agent and go Twitter, that, Twitter, 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 Twitter. That route. Yeah, we tried that. You know, because uh, I've got man. all this free time. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's so far out that it's still kind of low on the priority list. And then who else were we talking about? Uh, oh, uh, the wizard rocket scientist guys. Oh yeah, uh, coming back to Jack Parsons. Jack Parsons and. Hawking's a little tough to come back to. Um, there's only so much we can really do with that. Although we could maybe tell a story of why they hate each other. Yeah. Um, there was a lady involved. Robo lost out. And then did something horrible to... Uh... <laughs> Robo did not cause the disease that no. Hawking has. <laughs> the real reason he's in the wheelchair. <laughs> there's no disease at all. He's just broken. <laughs> Anytime we can, we can put real... Well, like the the, car- the the guy in this story, the older guy that we see at the Large Hadron Collider, is oh, the he's, real he's director. The real director of yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh. you see the real director of NASA in volume, yeah, six. In volume six. But they're not like active. Yeah, and, and, no, and nobody really knows who they are. Yeah, but they are there. I just like to. I know the podcast won't be able to see this, but the first page of Free Comic Book Day twenty twenty twelve is, that, yeah. is this. Every panel on here is a screen cap from uh, the war room scene in Doctor Strange Love. <laughs> <laughs> And Robo is is every oh. Robo is constantly uh, I forget the actor's name. He played the the general yeah. dude. Um, yeah, George C. Scott. It's, Robo is George C. Scott in every panel on this. That's on this beautiful. Page. All in due time. We'll, we'll regurgitate that information later. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. 
awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, just a question to keeping all those timelines in order. Do you have like a master yes. timeline? So you know that. We, so we, you don't have on, any overlaps? Or? Yeah, it's online partially so that we just have access to it whenever we need it. Uh, partially to help inform readers. Do they know what's online? Yeah, if you, ever, if you ever go to our website. Some, there's, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's on the website? Yeah, there's a timeline tab um, that we nice. keep updating, as we call it, with new ideas. Um, there's stuff on there that hasn't happened yet, which confuses, which many, many confused emails. Uh, so, I just bought the digital trade, and it's missing all this stuff. <laughs> like, no, no, that so hasn't happened stuff, yet. <laughs> so the stuff that you're saying, will it happen if you put it on the timeline, or yeah. is it yeah. still? Yeah, no, that's, that, that's like stuff that is for sure going to happen eventually. Uh, th- thanks for all the questions, guys. So this concludes this episode of Atomic Robo Nuts and Bolts. If you want to listen to more Nuts and Bolts behind-the-scenes podcasts of Atomic Robo, especially as the new issues come out for Volume 8, The Savage Sword of Dr. Dinosaur, yeah. then you're going to want to go to nerdyshow.com slash Atomic Robo. Guys, is there any things that um, that everybody should watch out for in the near future that you can talk about? Any any upcoming stuff needs uh, selling right now? The first issue of Volume 8 comes out this month. Yeah. The tabletop RPG will be available, uh, I think, also this month. The finally, the victory. Yeah. And the the animated short, that the the, the fan film that many of those awesome people helped kickstart um, is supposed to be done and out this month. Yep. But it's a busy month. But you said the Atomic Robo RPG is coming out this month? I believe it is. Dude. I could be wrong. Okay. But it'll be very soon. Well, you know, we've got a got to play that on the show right yeah we should as long as i don't have to run it yeah yeah <laughs> no we'll, we'll uh we'll that test game we played was awesome there's a lot of fun yeah. Yeah. you had to be robo didn't you yeah yeah um interesting i was uh George, not jersey scott we did, we did uh orson wells yeah yes you were orson wells i was a young orson wells it was awesome <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. a fun game yeah okay we're, we're gonna absolutely have to do that sometime soon Cool. Pester us. Um, <laughs> so uh, thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much to the people in the audience attending this panel. You guys are awesome. You, you passed up Hawkeye for this. Give yourselves a round of applause. <laughs> they can sure clap for three people. It's yeah. like, it's amazing. That's, that's, we'll fix it. They're very loud. <laughs> I, now, the big question is how much do they regret not going to the Hawkeye panel? I know. Uh, thanks so much, guys. Yes. I'm Cap. I'm Brian. And I'm Scott. And this is where we'll play some kind of fun music. Beep, 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 beep. Maybe something about dinosaurs. Oh, let's do um, do the dinosaur by uh, was not was. Perfect. <laughs> Atomic Robo Nuts and Bolts is brought to you by Nerdy Show. If you somehow enjoyed what you've heard, you can show your support by telling a friend or going to nerdyshow.com and clicking the support button. Even a small contribution gets you cool nerdy perks, possibly crystals, and allows you to take part in our monthly support drive contests. For more episodes of Atomic Robo Nuts and Bolts, videos, contests, and other nerdy programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Subscribe to all the Nerdy Show Network's latest episodes via the iTunes Store, and remember to follow us on Facebook, Tumblr, and Twitter at Nerdy Show and Dr. Dinosaur. For all Atomic Robo news, go to atomic-robo.com, a highly inefficient URL. Teeth on a robot, that's not... That's not good. Man, we have to talk about all the issues of Dr. Zara that I hate. (laughs) 
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.